0: Ninja Warrior, former NRL player, genuine all round good guy, who's going to give us, firstly, going to kick it off with a Fijian lesson for us in pronunciation. Welcome to the podcast, Salani. Kick us off with a little lesson about Fijian pronunciation.
1: All right, Fijian pronunciation. Hi all. Sorry, I started to jump the gun there. Hi all. Um, Great to be here, mate. Thanks for having me on. Um, Fijian pronunciation. So, my name is Eloni Vuna Keve. Uh, easiest way to pronounce Fijian names is chunky, chunky letters up, a consonant and your vowels, and they all roll off the tongue a lot. So, example, my name is Eloni Vuna Keve. Um, don't try and do big, big blocks like it's just simplified down to just blocks of blocks of two letters, a consonant and vowels. So, Vuna Keve in uh, Fijian, a C is a TH. There's a couple of different other variations which we can get through at, at another time. But um, Phonics, Fijian Phonics for the day, C is a TH. So that's uh, where you can correct my name. I feel like you stepping up in your head. But, yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to sharing some of my, I don't know, what I do um, all around just clown, I guess. So I like adding to the party tricks uh, that I've had. And I've, I've learned a lot with being in the Real Movement crew. And, yeah, looking forward to upskilling those and sharing some of that with everyone today.
0: Yeah, cool, man. Oh, uh, yeah. What other pronunciations have you had? Like, what's the best one or the worst one? I guess uh, as far as coaches or you know, random bosses or people that have pronounced your name at school or whatever. What's the what's the worst or the best? very
1: Vinny Casey was what I always used to get um, yeah. on TV and stuff. Um, oh, actually, no, Willie Manu always used to call me a lot of because some um, his daughter just. Uh, for some reason, just she heard she, their, their game must be on, on te- our game must be on TV at home. And the way that the this um, commentator just kept saying it was, Alonnie Winnekees. And then she made it into this little song. So every time Money saw, saw me, he started singing a song to me Alonnie Winnekees, Alonnie Winnekees. Um, high school was like weird in a way because, I mean, no one would even try it, It was just like, oh, Eleni, just, yeah. <laughs> So, zero effort put in there, but so I'm, I'm used to it, which is, I know it's all the sort of rage everyone's blowing up about a bit at the moment, but um, I'm not jumping on that bandwagon, like, you know, hey, it's um, <coughs> someone's name. Like, if someone tries to speak French, if, if I was French and I heard someone try to attempt French, I wouldn't think that they're racist or a sheer anything I don't think it was sort of yeah, blown a bit out of proportion, but, yeah, there's a lesson is C is a TH, so. Just
0: yeah, try it cool, for eh? me, just try that's enough. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's something I've, I've found over my career as well, working with a lot of Fijian, but more so Samoan and Tongan guys, that they appreciate you just trying to get their, their name correct, even though it's sort of outside of um, the names that I grew up with, you know, around school. And But i found just asking them sometimes as well, hey, hey, how would you like me to say your name, goes a long way into building that, that relationship. And they know that, yeah, you know, you consider it of a different kind of upbringing and a different culture and um, it's a really easy way to connect with someone, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. then the, the main question I think we have to, and let's just answer that straight away, what goes into those smoothies in the morning?
1: <laughs> so the Thanos, uh, based on the Marvel comic book character, I, I originally called it the Thing Shake. Young kid, James Sperling, I was training down at Bondi when I was still with the Roosters, he said, mate, your you shake's purple. You've got to call it Thanos. It was at the time when the Infinity War uh, series was on, the, the whole the Avengers movies were on, and Thanos was the big bad guy, big and overwhelming and overpowering bad guy. So it was. It's it's purple. Um, that's that's the reason why it is. I, I chuck in a heap of blueberries in there. Um, they turn the whole thing purple. What's in it is just uh, basically a big. Like, there's a shitload of. Pro- I put in just whey protein in there. It's, um, to the base and then I'll just chuck in a heap of nuts and seeds of which I've found some sort of benefit somewhere along the way so there's a, there's a reason why they're in there I don't just throw them in there it's usually just me tinkering with what I find so any I guess any health benefit I find from foods like that I say to myself well let's try it and see what happens and where it is currently is could it could always be better but for me it's what I need I, I lose weight really, really easy. Um, I think at max capacity, it's about 2,500 calories. So that's a big chunk for me. But for most people, I know they, they probably couldn't tolerate that. That's a, that's a day's worth of food in, in one meal. Um, for me, though, I, I still manage to lose weight off the back of that. I'm very, very active. I love my training. My job's very physical. Um, my days are pretty long too, so I'm, I'm active and burning a lot, a lot of calories. So for me, that's a step. To holding my weight, I feel more comfortable at a heavier weight. Um, allows me to be stronger too. So, yeah, Fanos is is the, is the shake, and that's its job: keep me heavy.
0: Yeah, man, that they're, they're epic-looking things that you you're chucking in there. Has has nutrition always been a big thing for you, like, or has it been, you know, your footy, you had to be um, keeping your weight on, or you know, where does nutrition sort of sit as far as the priority goes versus Weight gain and, and obviously you know you're in you're in good nick either way whether you're light or whether you're heavy. Um, where where's nutrition sit for you as far as your health and and performance? Um, so I
1: guess first and foremost for me it's a it's a hobby. Like I I just really enjoy learning about it and all the all the little hacks that you can do. So I just got a chopper if the audio plays up. Um, for me it's a it's a hobby. Um, I just love learning all about. Um, food and what it does to the body and how it can enhance the body. I was a, I sort of only started it uh, when I moved to France. So I moved to France in two thousand and eleven, uh, and Mark Carola was our was actually was playing with the Roosters before he came over with us and um, into in Toulouse into our Toulouse town in France, and he started teaching me just a little bit like little bits and pieces about uh, food and look I lived at home till i was 22 and mum would always cook for me so I, when i first moved to france i had to learn how to cook and then i because i had so much free time i was just a, I was only playing footy over there i didn't have to work um, i was just a pro footy player so i used my time I, it was weird i just i there was an old app called stumble upon and what it did was it it just took you to random pages across the internet and somehow i started to I would spend six hours at a time in between sort of training or late at night um, and just found a few little things, I guess, either, I don't know if it was first, but it all just happened at the same time. Like two or three of us just started, Oh, the, the boys there started teaching me about food um, and I started learning about it and I was like, oh, hang on, I've approached this whole thing from the wrong angle. Like I used to just eat like 20 wheat bix at lunch, um, like, like z- just zero sort of nutritional content to my food and then because I was I was training, I was. I started reading about things that, like, in terms of enhancement of, of body stuff. So it all just tied into to sort of helping make me be better. So, the, for, I, I'm a who loves hacks. Like if you can, like I know Ben touched on it the other day, in terms of shortening your runway. I, I, I saw applications of them just just basically tempered it and I don't know, not not feed it out, but just try to apply it, and it. Well, I feel it definitely helped. Um, look, I was. Probably predisposition to it. My father's for Jan, mum's very sort of lean um, Anglo Australian lady as well. So genetically, I was probably already going to be pretty lean to start with. Um, but I like all the little sort of um, endocrinology sort of area that gets affected by it all as well. So I probably don't get enough sleep, but um, um, I'm rambling here. But I, I love nutrition, mate. it's just a hobby for me. So um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess with your your nutrition and leading into you know your lack of maybe your sleep isn't as strong. Tell us a little bit about like a day in the life uh, of Alonnie, Like even through your, your footy career, the back end of your footy career, um, you're a father. You've got four kids. Uh, you're chasing the dream in in many different aspects over a long period of time. Like what what does a day look like for you? All right,
1: um, I'll give you some context first, I guess. So dad come from Fiji with about 60 bucks in his pocket. My old boy used to work in sugarcane fields in Fiji. he with his hands his whole life. His body's pretty buckled now. He just had a double knee reco. So I'm actually keen to get him onto some, uh, some knee ability stuff. So, um, I just got to twist his arm a few more times. Um, look, my, my dad's just a worker. Mum's a worker. They were both shift workers. I very rarely <laughs> even saw me old man. Um, it was always fun whenever he was around, but, um, i work both of them workers. Mum's a nurse. Dad works as a security guard, used to work as a chef, so just odd hours, there were ships in the night. Just so look, from the start work was what we were what we saw, what when you grew up, you, you just work. So um my mum and dad split when I was eight. So I sort of my well, mum still worked, so I had to take over I guess the, the man of the house role and and uh, look, I would make brother and sister food and stuff from a young age. So we'd, um, man, cut, cut us all off to school of the day. So work was just what I knew. So uh, in terms of footy, um, when I started playing sort of pro footy, money was not really a, an, an option. Um, well, I was playing at the Tigers, which yeah, they weren't really paying their, their juniors much at the time, or I wasn't on their radar in terms of a, a player to be paid, so I had to work. So at a young age I sort it of set the tone like well you work and then you play footy and find a job that works around footy and in the end that sort of helped me to get to the level that I wanted to get to because I still managed to make well like you said I have got a family at the time I only had uh we only had two kids when I when I was um when I first started with Roosters, but Mel was pregnant with Melly, our son. Um so yeah I still had to make work. I I wasn't offered a contract, I was only offered a sort of part time I think it was one day a week when I first started with Roosters. So, I mean, we, we can touch on that stuff later. But, look, the work aspect of it was was always done to sort of um, bring in the income. And then any money made from footy was just a bonus on the side. So, I, I was at a point in my sort of career where I didn't really care about the money. I just wanted the opportunity. So, and that, yeah, came again. We can touch on that a bit later. But, it's, um, yeah, work was, work was always what needed to be done to make an income, mate. So, it was... Yeah, it's was pretty, pretty much a 50 split work to uh, cater for the difference of not being able to make that much money from footage. So I had to work, um, but I made it work. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, man, like following your, following your story on Insta, you know you're one of the guys when it comes up on, the, on my thread there, I'm always like keen to see what's going on because you're, you're a guy that gets a lot done in a day with, with going to work, with hanging with your family, <laughs> with training, with learning. Do you think that like that work ethic and that desire to, to um, support your family, to provide for them, um, obviously it's come from being passed down the genes, which, you know, I, I realised at my, my grandfather's funeral actually a couple of years ago when people were talking about his work ethic and what he did, like he was running a dairy farm at 14 on his own and then that passed down oh, to yeah. my, you yeah. know my dad. My dad was, you know, a work work off and he still works now, like he, he maybe doesn't have to work as much as he does, but he still loves it. And it's kind of been passed down where it doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like work. It just feels like, hey, this is what I'm going to do today. Um, but linking that to, to sort of your footy career, and I've been around a lot of different NRL clubs and, you know, you played 20s at the Tigers there. And most Most clubs are telling young kids, hey, you're not going to make it. You know, yep. only a few of you guys are going to make it. So you should start, you know, thinking about post-footy career, even before your footy career's properly started. Yep. Where, where do you think, like, your, your ethic? Because you end up playing at the NRL at 28, 29?
1: I was 28 years and I was it was two months before my 29th birthday. I, I just got pipped again. I was, the, I was the oldest. Got pipped by my mate Darren Nichols. Uh, about a year and a half later, and then got uh, one of the boys debut for Power. I've, I've forgotten his name. Sorry, um, Andrew Davy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Sorry, but yeah, he the guy who debuted for Power on the weekend. He he was he was a, a, a couple of days older than me, uh, older than Desi. So yeah, we're, we're just we're breaking barriers, you know. So,
0: <laughs> but the, um, but the the ethic. How did the ethic get you there? Like, did you, did you feel like? you're always going to get there because you had that work ethic already built into you from being the, you know, the man of the house kind of thing or? No, I don't think so. I just, I had, I know some people can take this as like a, a bad thing, like a,
1: a toxic way to be, but I just love trying to like, disprove people. I, I, the way I like to approach it now is I try to prove myself right, but really I know deep down that I was trying to prove people wrong. At Tigers James Shepherd was my um, was my coach. He suggested to me as, "Oh look, mate, not everyone can play in the NRL. Why don't you um, do what one of the other boys did and move over to to move overseas, or, or just use footy as a, an opportunity to see the world?" So I said, "Okay, well, let's put that in the in the memory bank somewhere, and we'll we'll recall and use it if we ever need to." Um, so there's another person. Look, I, I get along really well like with Shepherd. I did message him. So after I played. You know, and said thanks for your help, <laughs> me. Um, uh, I had another coach. Um, I don't know what's this is some look, man, coaching's weird. Like, I've had coaches where, all um, right, they shouldn't give me a run, but they do. And then I perform really well for them, make X, Y, and Z team of the year or whatever. And other coaches who I wish gave me a run but didn't. And then they were the ones that ended up, I don't know, having that. I don't know. I just wanted to prove them wrong because they, didn't believe in for me. But look, whatever way you got to feel the fire, you do that. For me, that was that was that was my way. i had to prove something wrong. Um, i got myself lost my around forty. Where were we at?
0: Um, Did you, Yeah. When you sorry. when you went to France, when you went to France and took that that decision to go over there, and were you going with yep. the intent to come back bigger and better as a as a player, or were you using that more as a life experience and uh, first.
1: Uh, life experience. So I've been in the Tigers for six years. I trained with NRL once by pretty much by accident. They were, they were short and needed someone to fill in. So I was like, "Well, this is not going to work out for me here." Um, uh, one of the managers at the time said, "I oh, was anyone want to go to, uh, go to France and play over there." But I put my hand straight up. Said, "Yep, yeah, I'm keen. Get me over there." So um, i was over there, and I think it was about three months in. Robbo was up from. Uh, Catalans. Um Funny, but when you overseas, you sort of you, your ear tunes into hearing Aussie accent. And I didn't know who Robbo was at the time. Uh, John Ford was my brother-in-law, and said, "Oh, that's that's Trent Robinson. He was our coach at um, at at, at Newy. Um, and he said he's a pretty good dude." So I just went over and said, "Hey, nice to meet you." And, and I was, I was uh, almost ten years. old oh, no, six or seven years later gave him my shot. So, look, I, I had, in terms of whether I was going to use it to sort of take the, the next step, but I just went over thinking, look, I gave footy my best possible crack. My last year at Tigers, I wasn't even getting a run. I was, I mean, I was 24. Um, not, I wasn't getting a run at all. I'd be stuck on the bench all game. He wouldn't even play me. My coach, Paul Fletcher at the time, wouldn't, wouldn't play me. Wouldn't give me a reason as to why he wouldn't play me. Come around, I think it was June June 20 in 2011. Um, actually, 2010, I wasn't even given another, another contract. I had to like pretty much beg them to stay there. I did take the pay cut of whatever minimal money they paid me. I think they paid me like five grand or something. For you. It cost me money to pay for you in like this, the, the grade below, the top grade in Australia. So there's a bit of microcosm into how professional sport Sort of yeah, sits in terms of earnings. Um, so for me, money wasn't really the thing. Like I, I don't know money playing footy anyway. Um, I just wanted opportunity. So I wasn't getting a run at Tigers. I, I tried to, to leave and go down and play inducto. They were going to pay. They were going to pay me like like tr- triple what I'd been paid for the year for like seven games down adapter So like oh okay, at least I get to play some footy. The day I tried to leave, they said, um, oh yeah, no, actually no. We just had half half our boys leave, so you're not allowed to go. Uh, We're not going to clear to go and play there. Um, But look, I'll I'll get you on the bench this week and play this week. Fortunately for me, I played pretty well. I ended up starting for the back end of the year. Um, Should have gone off on a tangent again. Um, But yeah, oh yeah, so um, when the opportunity came to go overseas, I was like, look, I've given it my absolute all. It got me, pretty, like, not nowhere, but it didn't get me as far as I would have liked. But I, I tried, like, I tried my absolute hardest. I tried to even get out and go elsewhere for another opportunity because I knew I just, I just needed to crack something. Um, actually, it was Dave Gower who who suggested to me to come down to Dapta. He just moved to Dragons at the time. So "Look, mate, they paid pretty good money, and there's an opportunity to go through the Dragons system." I said, "Oh, look, it's probably better than what I'm getting here." I was, I had to go and play park football with like my one of my closest mates growing up because I wasn't even getting a run and we didn't have a, a, an alternate team so I just went and played and up playing with just some schoolmates on the weekend to try and get a run so I still had that determination and fire in me to play but when I went overseas I, I don't I don't think I was like approaching it from the point of view of progressing or anything better it probably changed during a conversation though with Nathan Ross it was weird like we when we often reflect on it we, the two of us were sitting we both all over together I, I met him at the airport. I didn't even know who he was. We, we changed. It. He thought I was like a like a like a, like a like a pure fresh Fijian. When I the first email I sent to him said, "Mate," I just said, and he he always likes, like like quotes me. He goes, "Mate," when the first email you ever sent me was, "Do you have a, a PlayStation and a laptop?" Because I, I was asking if he's going to take them over, but he thought I was asking him to try and take them off him or something. Anyway, <laughs> he thought I was his big like like freshie from Fiji. Uh, when we met, he, he, we, we got along like a house on fire, mate. So we flew over to Toulouse together. Um, uh, when our uh, our partners both came over, this was at the back end of our stint of that first year. And I remember me and Rossi were just sitting on the on the floor. Nathan, uh, Mel and Nakia were sitting in the other part of the room. And me and Nathan looking outside like, man, how cool would it be to one day go back and play the NRL? We sort of just said it as a throwaway. Nate, when he says things, they're usually pretty genuine. I've said, oh, yeah, it'd be pretty cool, guys. I still had the dream there. Um, I didn't know what the path looked like, but um, I guess that, that was the start of the whole sort of, I guess, progression of heading that down that path. So, yeah, yeah that was the longest end-winded answer, but I hope I sort of,
0: yeah. Yeah, man, well, it shows <laughs> like the, the persistence had to keep going, but I guess turning up at the airport, and spending 24 hours with Rossi on a plane, that would have been uh, that would have been an experience in itself. Um, he's yeah, a full-energy um, full energy guy and, and maybe the guy that you needed to, um, to have around you to keep that fire going or keep that, um, you know, that, that real desire to chase a dream because Rossi always, you know, I only met Rossi in 2014, 15, 2015, yeah. and man, that guy's... Still thought, still knew. He knew he was going to make it to the NRL, yeah. even though yeah. no one else did. He knew.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's a very, definitely a very infectious character. You know, he, his energy levels are up there, and he's always uplifting. Like even he, even at his worst state, he's very uplifting. So maybe it, wasn't, it was, it was meant to be. We had to, I don't know, we had to meet that way. Um, Loves his jujitsu, choked me out. Like I, we we had this. Muck around wrestle day and he choked me out. I don't know. He just brings so much energy. I um, I love him. And yeah, maybe it was that. It's probably one of those chance encounters. Man. I just read The Alchemist, so it was, yeah, probably one of those one of those encounters, mate. So yeah,
0: yeah. Well, he maybe you know finding each other and helping along the path. Like if you guys reflected on that, you both made the NRL back into your twenties. Like that, that that's a pretty cool thing. Like it doesn't matter what happens to get there. Like making that achievement and and showing that persistence and that desire and that fire, to me that shows a lot more than, you know, some guys that get their chance at 18 or 20 or whatever and they play 200 games, like, they actually, some of those guys never had to overcome many obstacles where I feel like for you guys that just kept chasing it, that you're actually learning a lot of life lessons along the way that's, that's going to set you up for success, you know, till you're, till you're at yeah. not, Oslo, not just a sportsman, you know. Like, you've got more... Yeah. Do you think maybe you got more like more strings to the bow or like you you're not defined you're not defined by your football career, you know how a lot of young guys they they really don't know what else they are as a person other than yeah. an athlete, you know? So do you think that pro you know, that that process and that journey has set you up for the for the next phase too? I'd like to think so. I don't I still
1: it was weird, like. To be honest, I didn't spend that much time in the NRL sort of like environment. I guess you could call it across my sort of total span of, of footy sort of life. um It's great being there, um but it's hard. I find it. I, I still find it hard. That like I drove past more Park yesterday. Just I want to see if the boys are out in the field. I was. I was heading down to get some, some new shoes and um, go, to the, go for a swim at Bondi. So that I'll just drop in and see if the boys are training and just like all the little sort of emotions and memories and stuff sort of flood back in again. Um, it's cool, but I feel I'm pretty lucky that I, I did have the part that I have because I think a lot of boys are going to struggle when they are done. Like the examples that you said, like that start at 18 and when they get to sort of 30 and then their body's broken down and they haven't exercised their mind enough, they're not going to be able to. I don't know, they're just going to come up with some sort of tough scenarios and situations that I don't know that they've prepared for yet. So, definitely being exposed to that sort of stuff has helped me. Um, I still get affected by the like not being in that pretty well, but look, I'm hard enough and resilient enough to rely on the other skill set that I've managed to sort of grow um, within that time period too and before that time period. So, um, to answer your question, I guess, yes. it's, it's not anything that I really think about. I guess I, I have the skills there that I can just fall on. I, I, if I need to find work, okay, I can find work. I, I know how to sort of um, network and and I can drop a job for myself if I need that. So now it's just honing that and finding what I really really sort of want and, and head down that path. So it's, it, it's a cool learning experience in itself and you, you got to go through it to sort of know how to do it. So, yes, I can fall back on that, I guess, to answer your question. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> Before, before we move on to the, like the next phase, like finishing off the lessons learned from the sort of career in, in footy as a, as a player before we get on to the, the coaching and then the next, the next chapters, you know, how, how did you find out that you were playing and sort of that first game and, and how, did you, how did you feel when that, you know, when that news was broken to you? Yep. Um, all right, where was
1: I? Uh, round. I think I just after round one, Craig Fitzgibbon said to me, "He goes, oh mate, look, you're getting really close to." It, it was weird. Like, so my whole time at Roosters, I was never really. I talked to Robot a lot, but I never sort of. I didn't want to ask too much because I didn't want to. Um, I not put my foot in any possible chance. So I was like, do enough and learn enough to hopefully get you shot. Um, I didn't even put a like a date and I just thought, okay, just work as hard as you possibly can can come from the, the working background and back and, um, and hope that it comes. I guess so it's probably not the greatest way to go about it, but I just thought, look, I'm just gonna work look, I'm a worker, so I'll just work. <laughs> the only thing that kept me there, I'm pretty sure, was cause I'd done so much running with work for the, the, the year prior to that, so many K's on the road, I was shit at Wrestle. My first day at Wrestle I got thrown out the window by Boyd almost thrown out the window by Boido. Um, they literally just destroyed me. And I even said to Fitzie at the end of my first wrestling session, I said, mate, what's going on? I'm just as strong as I was because I knew from the numbers in the gym. But I couldn't, I hadn't, I, um, I just kept getting dominated by absolutely everybody. He goes, mate, relax. He goes, you're forgetting that these guys have done eight years of this. He goes, this is your literally your day one. So he goes, "Like, don't beat yourself up too much. Just learn learn quick and, and adapt. So, um Keep losing my big trend, thought. So I've up since three o'clock this morning, mate. But um, I'll try and keep you on track as best I can. I've digressed again. Um, just trying to, trying to lay a bit of context around it all. Yeah, man. That's um, no, cool. Um, came about. Oh yeah. So fifty said, mate. Look, you're, you're a chance of playing, but the whole time of my my time, I went there day one of pre season, not knowing what I was at, what days I was going to be there, just with Robo said, Oh mate, look, just come in every Thursday, I guess. Like it wasn't ever really like you will be here this day, this time for this many hours. It was just like, Yeah, I don't know, like if it works, like you come in there. It's pretty much like if you can come in every Thursday, come in every Thursday. After week one, I was looking at my uh, sort of roster for the for the week and comparing it to my work week and I rang Rip Taylor, my coach and I said, Rip, I can make most of these sessions. Like can I can I make this work? Um he's like, mate, look, I wouldn't I wouldn't just jump like jump the gun yet, wait till your your day comes up and then ask Robo in person face to face. alright Um uh, so look Robo was nice enough to sort of let me juggle the two, working full time um and training when I could. I was lucky I'd finish work at nine thirty, I'd drive straight to training after having run eight K's or and lifting X like a thousand bins or whatever it is at work. I'd I was like, I was so pumped and keen to go and train with Like was, any first grade, let, let alone, let alone I literally, I'd park my car from like, jump straight in my car after the run, drive to training, jump out of my car, strip off my work kit, chuck on my training kit, boots on, run across the car park straight into the field. And Rob, i just say to him, goes like, "Are you sweet to I was like, "I'll do like <laughs> one lap with my own mobility and just jump straight in." And if it was conditioning, look where where I was going with this was. I don't really know what I was at, but I thought, look, if I get given the opportunity, I'll take it with both hands. I was shit at wrestle. My uh, defensive level of ability was still poor comparative to everyone else in the squad. Um, Skill was terrible compared to everyone else, Um, but I could run. I was fit. So... um, I said to myself, every, like, you, you can't win anything, but you can probably win fitness. So I just went and ran and won every single bit of fitness that I possibly could. I get beaten bit in speed, but I was, I was like, just try. Just try your absolute hardest to, to, to win what you can win. Um, and off the back of that, so a couple of other wine boys got given opportunity the year before and they got up until Christmas and were told, look, not required. Head back to wine and if we need you, we'll call you. Or don't call us, we'll call you. Um, <laughs> So I said, look, get to Christmas and reassess. So got to Christmas. I was waiting for the tap on the shoulder at the Christmas party. I was like, well, oh, this has been pretty fun. Never came. Like, at the end of the night came, no phone call, no text, no tap on the shoulder. I was like, mm, okay, I'll we'll just lob up day one, pre season, oh, sorry, in season, season starting. Did so and still wasn't told to go anywhere else. Got to like the presentation to all the members and stuff and was still there. I hadn't really. I still wasn't told, like, mate, yeah, I'm not going to need you or anything. You know, just for round one, Pitches like, mate, you got on really, really well. You're, you're a fair chance to play in footy soon. I'm like, oh, all right, we're, we're on we're um, Possibly, I said, look, like, just keep working, work hard, work hard. Round one um, played really well. Um, round two got asked to come to 18th man. Round three, 80th man again, didn't play, but went to Townsville. And unfortunately, Ian Henderson broke his leg. snapped his leg real bad, compound fractured it. Um, and the week before, I'd sort of been jumped by one of the other boys to, to play. So I didn't. I thought, oh, okay, well, if he's going to use me, maybe he will. Probably not again. I'll just do my job. Went back home, went to work, and um, came in on the Tuesday. Um, after work, I i finished work late, so I missed the wrestle session, but I got to the field session. And the boys were just, like, real, like, I don't know, it was just being, like, real, like, just childish and, like, just mucking around and, like, gigging me and, like, elbowing, like, just, they were they were onto what was going on. But, because, you know, you know what Robert's like. Robert's like, he likes to, like, present, like, make it a sort of a, a, a real genuine, moment, but he'll often tell everybody else before he does. Or he'll do it one of two ways. So he'll tell everyone that he hasn't told them yet and then like so they can all be in on it and, and celebrate it with them hello sorry my daughter just came hello um, and so he must have told all the boys that morning in the, in the team meeting that because um, he had to announce the team that weeks and um, I didn't know but everyone else knew so they were all like and he, he would have told them look I'm, I'm not gonna I won't I will i have not told him yet so just keep it to yourself so we went to we had we had um sorry, no i didn't miss wrestle we had wrestle that afternoon um we went to the gym and robo didn't really always come to wrestle but when he did it was always like oh you put it on because you are you said the coach when the coaches are there it's a bit it's a, like pressures just ease off just a little but when he, when he was there it was like oh shoot like, dial in don't miss a beat make sure you get everything right and this session is probably the rest of it, best that i've ever wrestled in my life and he just kept hanging around and hanging around i was like what? Why didn't you just leave? I feel pressured enough as it is. you know, it's like when your dad's watching you. You're like, oh, I've got to perform for my dad. That that type of that type of feel, that type of pressure. Anyway. And in the session, I was like completely spent. I'd been up since four o'clock that morning and worked and trained and trained and trained. Um, see Cy Kane and I were all sitting down and just running our mouths and talking smack about each other. And Robert said, oh, Lonnie, can I talk to you for a minute? I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. So like, no, I come over here. So they took me aside and sat me down in, in Larry's gym in those um, Street up there um, and uh, said, oh, mate, um, are you ready? I was like, ready for what? He's like, I'm going to play <laughs> I'm I'm you this week. He goes, um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember his exact words because I was like pretty emotional at the time. And when he said, I was like, I was, like this is like a, a big hook shot. Like a, I, did not, I did not foresee it. I did not expect it at all. Um, I, was, I, I said, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I waited long enough. And, like, in my in my, I just said, mate, look, like, I was I was really short with it. I said, yeah, mate, I'm ready. I'm, I'm keen. And that, that was it. I, I left it at that. And inside, I was like, this <laughs> is like howling mess, mate. Like, I went to my car, um, rang bell and... Like, like, sorry, as soon as I went to my car, I just started crying. I lost it. it It's cool. Like, it still gets me real emotional now because it's such a, I don't know, I know it's been told so many times before, but it's still, like, just a cool thing for me. Like, I I tried so hard for so long to try and get that. It was cool that I had to travel around the whole way around the other side of the world to meet the guy that would eventually go on to give me the opportunity. So... Yeah, I rang my I rang Mel first. Told her, um, she was just like pumped as for me. I rang my mum, um, she was pumped as. Um, I rang my old man. said, my old man's a massive Swans fan. I said, Dad, we're doing on Saturday. He's like, oh, I'm going to the Swans game. And I was like, Dad, you're going to have to come to my footy. I said, I'm playing for Roosters. And he's like, oh, because he's like the biggest. Like he works at the entertainment court where Roosters are based out of. And he's the Swans are based out of there as well, so he's real good mates with when he was there and like the CEO of the Swans, like they all just love my old man. So he's like, yes, so When the Swans are on, it's like it's game day. Like it's his, he lives and breathes the Swans, and he's like, oh. he's like my dad's a, my dad's still a bit of a fresher too, so it's like a bit a hard to really understand what um what he's saying, how he's delivering it, or saying it. Like I, I can't remember if, exactly if he had to like go and run it by someone or like <laughs> back to me on it, but I was like, "Dad, like come on, man. like, it, like this is the, this is what we sort of worked towards for so for so long as, as a kid." And the cool thing about my old man, like he was always a good sort of perspective, like sort of realignment for me. He said to me, "When I would have been twenty two, just not really getting much of a run, playing as very He's like, "Look, are you having fun?" Yeah. I was like. I had to think about it. I said yes because like you just usually say yes when you say, and someone asks you that, but I, I genuinely wasn't, and that was sort of a big for me. That ended up being one of the big like sort of changes for me. Like as soon as I got down and like dumps about it, like, my performance went down, and then I was like, I had to, like the top of every tip sheet I ever wrote for myself was <laughs> have fun, like just go have fun, trying to wreck as many people as you possibly can because that's the way you. So performing best, so yeah, the debut was was really cool. I got to the de- debut um, on Allianz against Manly in Round Four in 2016, um, and people try and say to me like, oh, what what's it like?" It's like I mean, I've probably heard it a million times before, but it's literally like I was in a dream, uh, like just watching myself above myself. And I'm like. My first tackle was on, I think, George Tufour. Um, I think, I don't know, it doesn't sound right to be making a tackle with Fergo, but they were coming out of their end. And um, yeah, it was just, it's completely surreal. It's like you're just watching yourself from outside of your own body. And, um, super thankful and super grateful for yeah, everyone to help me on the way. But it was um, cool. And it's worth, the, it's worth the chase, no matter how long it takes. It's, even if you get one, it's... it's it's all worth it for that note I guess touching on that I wish I had have aimed for um, like what we I know the the lesson that you helped with Baja and that's what I try and teach other kids now get one but aim for a hundred that's my sort of yeah where I'm at currently with it so yeah look the whole experience was yeah was the best ever man look, for me personally everyone's different in the way that it, it comes about but it was yeah just cool it was subtle um, but it was I felt and I don't know. I mean, perfectly, I guess.
0: And for me, it was anyway. You know, I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah, well, it sounds like it was um, like it was a fun day because the boys were having fun with you because they knew what was going on. Um, and you're a fun guy, and I remember. To... S- yeah, go.
1: I remember Sean Kenny Dow he just kept like, like just elbowing me, and, like laughing at me, like like he's usually like that as, as a guy, but i yeah. um, like more so than ever. Like I don't know, I I felt like they shared in the in that moment for me as well which is i don't know i feel like if i was at tigers and that would have happened like that's not the way that it would have panned out like it i don't know i love the mate like and it was really cool like the way that they sort of all held that back from me knowing what knowing that i mean they they saw what i did like i would some some days i'd finish training after, like some days i'd come in from work get buckled at training and have like a monster session some days i would park my car on the field so i could run straight off training and drive back to work so that i could make the, the morning's training session they they knew what i what i would do like jazza saved me one day we had this big like um women in sport breakfast for QBE, and it was the first time i would ever done really any public speaking in the uh it was luke Rickardson and all these big companies like these big insurance companies and i met one of the ladies that was sponsored and she's like oh i want you to come like I was good at the table when I spoke to her, but she uh, she said, oh, I want you to come and present to all of our partners and whoever." Just a, like, this massive breakfast in the like convention center in Sydney. There would have been a couple of, a couple of hundred people there, and just saved me by um, just explaining like what my what my day was like because I mean they they saw it first They see me like sort of drag myself in sometimes and then dragging myself out, and you know, I went back in the in the work. Kit. So no, it was it was cool to share that with them. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, that's I, that's that's yeah. awesome, man. It's like, it's a great great story, and I'm glad you you gave all the context to, around it and sharing it with the boys. And it's a it's a great club. Like, I was fortunate enough to spend a couple of years there. Um, and obviously, things you know, things change over time, and there's always different people um, that go into making a club great. But you know what, there are some absolutely amazing people in that club um, behind the scenes. As well as you know, front and center uh, in the media, like what? What do you put it down to? Like, why is that such a good club? Why do you feel like you're you're part of something big there? Like, outside of the football, maybe. Like, why? What is it that makes it such a, a good place to be part of? <laughs> um, oh, there's so many like cliche
1: things that the boys wear. I mean, you got, you got, I guess the best of, got um you got uncle nick to start with i guess you get you start from the top and filter to your way down there's a lot of things a lot of people behind the scenes that no one that no one sees but they're they're the glue that binds the whole thing together i find like the only other club i was at was um was one which is a really strong club too um which they they seem like they had their their shit sorted um tigers was the other club that i was at and Comparing the two, because that's the, all I can can do is like, it just didn't seem as though they had the, that glue that bound everything together as well that, as what Roosters did. So that culture is always there, started from the top and then filtered down. Um, I wouldn't say I ever saw that sort of firsthand in any example, but you know it's there and you're, when you go there, you, there is sort of the set set of standards that you have to uphold to and, um, I think Robo being the way that he is, I wasn't there when anyone else was there so I don't know but, um, being the sort of, the way that he is sort of drives that immensely as well and doesn't stand for shit and if your shit's not good enough he'll tell you and, yeah, you get sort of filtered into the area that you fall into and, it's your your job to either fight your way back up, or or um or find a way to contribute in one, one way, shape or the other. So yeah, um, culture is very very strong at that place. Um, yeah, and it, it shows not all levels. I think um, twenty seventeen. Our, our wild side we made boat oh, when wild came on board at um at roosters. We were we got the wooden spoon in twenty thirteen. Twenty fourteen I think we were lucky enough to finish sixth with no one on else side. So um, twenty fifteen we made the grand final and probably should have won, but we lost to uh was that your side? No. No,
0: it was two thousand fourteen. We had a couple of good hard battles. Yeah, right,
1: right, right. I was pretty buckled that year, I had a pretty big year, I um yeah, I don't remember very much. I, I played in the World Cup, I played a season in France and finished the season in Oz. Yeah. Um But yeah, sorry, our, our one side, 2017, we made the Grand final as well. Um, lost that to the Fijian All-Star team of Penrith Panthers with Mike and Bill Kikau. <laughs> Plenty of strong, strong players in there that were all going to, they're, they're pretty much on the current NRL side of Penrith now. So, look, we, we had a strong... Um, we had a strong sort of base at Wang to start with and then when Roosters came on board, the the culture they have sort of ingrained to us through our association with them and just sort of upped our sort of level. We, I know at Wang we were always a force to be sort of reckoned with everyone hated coming up to play us and we just had that sort of powerful, strong culture of roosters ingrained in us too. So yeah, look at the, yeah, being in those environments helps you and promotes you and Yes. I, I don't like, it's cool being in them because you like, you try to figure out how to replicate it in other facets of your life. Or would love to see other places. Like, so, look, I'm a Tigers junior through and through, and I would love to see them succeed, but I just don't see it happening. And, look, I, a diehard at work told me that. Look, nah, we're on the up, we're on the upward trend. I love to see it. I just I, I need to see years of consistency to to say that that is what's happening. Look, I, look I'm a massive Tigers fan at heart, but. <laughs> I just don't see
0: it, um, it. happening. Yeah. yeah, the Roosters risk, the yeah. have, have had that real um, leadership and consistency from right at the top, as you said there, and that's that's the underpinning of any organisation or team is who's right at the top and how are they, how are they behaving. Maybe if we like, just touch on or just reflect on, and it, this came up a lot in the coaches' summit, some of the different coaches we were talking to over the weekend, And I'm a big believer in this and I always got taught, you know, growing up that you never burn your bridges and you always, you know, say hello to people. And I wasn't always good at that. Like I wasn't always good at sort of introducing myself to people because I didn't feel like, well, why would they want to talk to me kind of thing. But had you have not gone and said hello to Robbo, you know, maybe things are different. Like I think there's a massive lesson in that, that, you know, John, I mentioned that's Trent Robinson. You go and say hello, not thinking anything's going to come of it, but maybe yep. down the track he could have chosen someone else. But he, he had a little connection with you because, you know, you reached out. Even though you weren't reaching out for a job, you're just saying hello and, and being a good person. Um, yep. I think that's a, that's a huge thing that we can all, you know, remind it to us all about build connections and you never know where that could lead. Hey, exactly right, mate. Um, the cool thing about
1: going to France was I saw every time like, we sometimes we'd have like a pre pre session meeting, um, and one of the older uh, older boys, um, sort of the the sort of leadership group boys, would come in, when and he, he's coming from work, so understandable why he's late. Still dressed in his his, his work kit, like not not super very formal, um, and would literally like interrupt the session, not not. It, but it was it was almost acceptable. It's like okay, let him come in, introduce. Uh, sorry, handshake. Like, French custom: handshake, look in the eye when you when you meet with the boys. Um, Australia that like, people form a yeah hey, and hey, oh hey man oh yeah? No, that's not that's not right. Like you have to literally go up, eye to eye, like handshake. Uh, best friends like will kiss, like they will kiss each other. Um. And that was a rule that Robo sort of enforced at Roosters too. When you, when you first see someone for the first time of the day, um, you go and shake the it hand. It's, um, how do I not have done that with Robo? Yeah, who knows? Like the whole thing probably falls apart. The whole story sort of falls apart, but uh, it's massive. Like it's, and I try and replicate it now. Like I always, when I'm coaching, I'll go and like individually shake every person's hand, um, do the look and not know it's just it's a, it's a it's a higher level of connection. I think the good thing is if you're exposed to it from that moment, like you said, in terms of networking, it's great. But it's the 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 bigger plus side to it is the the more genuine connection that you have. So like it's a like lock on eyes, full on handshake, and like you you the two of you are fully connected at that moment. And that's more powerful than we're lucky in a sense in Australia that our, our greetings are sort of. Semi informal, I, I find there's like not. I don't want to throw the word love in there, but it's like a lacking love, I guess, or can, like or genuine connection. Whereas, because I, I, I saw that in France, you can go and then apply that in a way that, in, especially in terms of coaching, you can say, "Look, I'm invested enough to to go out of my way to just just to say hello to you and let you know that I'm um, aware of you." Um, so if I'm just in that just in you know, agreement then on top of that, whatever else interests of area that you need sort of help with or for me to better my job, if I can start it well then it'll carry on to other areas. So yeah, sorry I'll ramble again. But, so, so yeah, yeah little yeah, well,
0: learning. That's, that's the segue into like the next part of you, like to uh, the back end of our chat here about transitioning from your you know, your passion and your love was with- to work, to work, and to chase the footy dream. Now you're transitioning to, to doing some coaching at Mounties, doing your own PT work, like building your own um, coaching career. Now to to support the next passion and next next uh, next purpose, you know. So yeah, where are we at with that? And what's like what what are you gonna what are you gonna pass on? Like what's the biggest couple of lessons maybe that you can. Do you, do you want to pass on to your, your next, you know, your young footy players that you're working with? Yep. Um, I think probably the interaction that I had with you
1: was the, the, one of the best parts. And I I wish I had have sort of had the interaction, I don't know, years earlier, Probably would have helped me forge, I don't know, a, a better path than what I did. Um, and that was just, yeah, don't set your goals too low or be prepared for the goal after the goal. Like that's, that's my biggest regret, I guess. I, I put so much effort and emphasis into playing just one NRL game that when I got that, the wheels sorry, the wheels didn't literally fall off, but I, I put so much energy and emphasis into it that when the opportunity came to get number two, I just didn't have the... It wasn't drive. It was just I was burnt. I feel like I was burnt out by how much I invested in it. and all, all I've done was just the, the goal was tick this box without the, the real goal of going on. so now like I, I literally stole your pretty much your quote to me directly. Um, now any young kids are how I have, like, try and build a path, say let's get to this. Um, then we'll aim to get to this with the, the end goal being this to have them set themselves up for be that like that great oops sorry, lost you there. Um yeah, the this, this stepping stones like each look basically just take from my sort of I guess what I what I look at uh, upon my own sort of path as, a, as a, a mistake or just a shortcoming in I didn't set the goal beyond the goal um, so yeah um, like a lot of like, the main footy player I work at the moment he's, he wants to he wants to play in the NRL too so yeah I said look
0: under games. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a rambling, it's so. thing. I've been I've been working with some guys during this, this COVID time, like some of my own players and, and a few guys overseas and whatnot. And you know, the goal setting stuff is something that we're not very good at teaching young people and you know, you in Australia particularly, we're taught to, you know, not aim too high and just be prepared not to be elite. You know, where you you made a choice that you were going to keep going and keep chasing it for sure, and you and you did. You man It's an epic career. Um, you're not defined by how many NRL games you play. You're defined by the effort and the attitude and the, the mindset and the lessons you've learned. That's that's the real definition um, and the the identity that you've become. But I think a lot of guys miss out because they they're not encouraged to aim for that whatever it is, whether it's footy or life, any aspect. Like I want to own my house or I want to. Be able to go on three holidays a year or whatever it is. We're not yep. encouraged to do that. And like, I wasn't as a younger coach probably great at doing that. Like, I would want to teach guys how to play footy and think that they can get better, but I wasn't good at sort of instilling that belief that, why can't you play 50 or 100 or 200 games? Like, why not? Um, yeah, yeah. And when I, like, when I sort of realized, but it, it had to come from me myself first. Like, when I started to think differently, I was then be able to, to translate that to footy players. And there's nothing more satisfying than getting somebody to shift their goal and chase, you know, just watch the process and watch them chase that. Whether they actually get the 100 games or not, doesn't it ma- doesn't even matter. Um, it's the intent yeah. and the effort towards going there, man. It's That's,
1: that's why you know. I enjoyed it so much, the coaching stuff. I, I, to be honest, I didn't even really think about, um, well, I had thought about doing some PT stuff and footy coaching I've, I've got notebooks here from basically just word for word of things that Robo said I read the book good to great Robo's got a library at at, uh, at rooosters of his own personal collection um, I read his book I read uh, good to great by um, Jim Collins Jim Collins that's right but in it it's got all Robo's notes there's <laughs> like pretty much what he what he says to us out out on the field at training he kept saying after I'd read it I was like that's from the book that's exactly from that book so literally I know little did I know I was adding to my sort of own coaching skill set like being in that environment Um, yeah sorry what I was getting at was I didn't aim to get into sort of any sort of footy coaching but just seeing the improve like for me the best part is um hello <laughs> sorry one of my kids is out there um just saying that growth mate like he's like you, like you just said it doesn't matter if they do go on like you hope that they all do go on to um like fulfill their potential but i don't know for me it's just growth within that within that span so that's the most rewarding part like uh, the one of the young I'm training at the moment he, he just told he got caught up to the, the next level above for his rugby side joey's that he's at so um, like that, that was cool. That was one of the goals that we set out. So even just to get to start training in that, like who knows where it's going to pan out. Um, yeah. But it's cool. Like just seeing that growth and, and progression in people, it's, um, it's that's, the, that's the best part. Like that's, that's a million times better than any sort of monetary reward you get for that. So just knowing that you helped even a 0.01% to send that person further down that path. That's that's the, I love it, mate. It's, um, it's so rewarding and, yeah, I just got asked by one of the boys that he used to play food with at He was the run messy cup side so um, at Mounties uh, at the end of two thousand eight if I wanted to come and jump on board. Um, he actually left last year and um, went on and went to the club at Mounties. So that was um, interesting to say the least because my day one at Wrestle um, for me at Roosters was I got thrown out the window by Boyd Corden so um, to go on to trying to teach someone else how to not have that happen to them was was interesting to say the least, and I'm still learning a lot in that regard. But it's um it's course cool and application of it too. We we won round one, um which was good, so I'm one for one in my um, coaching career at, at reserve grade now. So I don't know if that's a good cue to leave on 100 percent success rate, but. Um, <laughs> Look, I was I was lucky enough to be under the um, coach by Rip Taylor as well. So, so, like a lot of boys refer to Rip as a real old school type coach, but the the methods like the methods may seem old school, but the I guess the message is always it's always it's like the within the fabric of the game, but In terms of his record too, he it's weird like he never really. He, like specifically taught me anything but just me I guess being around him I made I think two or three team of the year as prop in reserve grade went on to play in a role and like he literally didn't teach me a thing but just like I guess in and around him did like he taught me so much more about it all, like, without even teaching like it's I don't, know, I, I don't, I don't even know how to sort of describe that for what it is but yeah, I was, I was lucky to have good exposure to good coaches and hopefully I can sort of channel some of what they did for me into others. So I'm loving the process and looking forward to where it sort of pans out and shapes in the future.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's great to to realise that, you know, the greatest coaches, you know, which Trent Robinson, clearly one of the, the leading coaches in sport in Australia, you're learning off him, but he, he's learning off, off the successes and the research and the stuff of other people that have written books um, have led the way that nothing, you know, almost nothing is our own. It's all recycled or it's a it's a tweaked yeah. thought on somebody else's research or experiences that, you know, we can all learn how to do whatever it is that we want to learn to do. we just yeah. got to find the right mentors and, and you've, you've had that. The other part of, like, I know the family unit, is a is a really key part of, of your life. Maybe just talk about, like I know um, in my experiences with with my wife, like we've been together. We got married in 2014. We've moved from, you know, we moved the week before we got married. I had an opportunity to stay in the Warriors, go to Sydney to work or go to the Gold Coast. And the week before, I decided, uh Let's go to the Gold Coast. So we and we're getting married in Australia while we were living in New Zealand, and then we're moving to the Gold Coast. Like since then, we've gone to England, come back, gone to Newcastle, we'll come to Brisbane. You know that turbulence of of the rugby league world, or sporting world, or just life in general. How important is it like to have somebody there? You know your partner, your partnership. How does that? You know, support you or make you what you are as far, as far as chasing you, chasing your dreams. You know, like it's hard to do it on your own. Yeah, it's so hard, mate.
1: Especially like our situation too. We had we had two kids. I think we, we had our oldest. Uh, so a lot of we had when we first moved to France, our first, um, our first season over in France. So, uh, massive, mate. They're essentially just the backbone that holds everything together. Like I, I think I was getting four hours sleep a night. So. She prep up all my all my food for me and stuff, and look after the kids, and <laughs> just, yeah, told me when I had to be where and when and for how long. <laughs> and she's just my, I know, she's the rock for me, mate. She, I, yeah, she just <laughs> her look on top of the kids too. She's like a massive trooper, mate. She, I can't thank her enough for everything that she's ever done for me. Um, I probably don't thank her enough, to be honest, um, for how good she is and how much she provides for all of us. Like I said, she's just the glue that holds it all together, mate. The wheels would definitely fall off if I had to sort of take the reins of that. So, um, look, hard, like, I don't say she's my, my assistant, but she, like, just keeps everything sort of aligned and where it needs to be for me. So, <laughs> yeah, it's good in a way because it, it just takes pressure off my day as well. I can, I can do what I need to do and be there and present for that, and just fall back on her for. Uh, sorry, where was I supposed to be again? And what time? Where? Like, like your 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 partner mate, just super malleable too, like super flexible. I like put her career on hold to come over and and uh, live in France, and um, yeah, like sacrifice so much too, like in terms of time and her own time, just to come and you know help me achieve what I sort of desired and spent so much energy on trying to get so no, I can't thank her enough mate what she does for me more also for the kids too like she, they've got really, like real beautiful loving mum in, in Mel um, Mel's super sporty too she was um, she was like a gun swimmer when she was a kid like into all the sort of um, um, surf life-saving sort of stuff and so look if you see my kids like doing the crazy stuff that they like the they or someone damn crazy. we just see them as having fun. That's, <laughs> it's not just me. Like Mel influences them, them just as much as I do. She's probably a bit smarter in the sense that she, um, mm-hmm. like will stop them from doing anything that old would say. Oh, not no. like let them go, let them go. Like she's a she's a smarter way in that regard because she's always uh, like super concerned for their safety. So she's the uh, the smart one, <laughs> bit smarter than me. But look, we we just want to see our kids grow into. Sort of happy, and I know we think they they could have some sort of athletic potential in them. So let's let them ride that if they want to do that. If they want to go down the creative path, like we yeah, just trying to raise little little humans and give to them what we feel we we didn't have from not because our parents didn't want to, but I, I just feel like that education in terms of sport and creativity wasn't really as big a thing back then, like that that era of the nineties, like late eighties, early nineties. So we want to give them. And I feel what we have access to now is a, a, a broader array arrangement of information. So we just want to look at little, strong and, and beautiful people. Yeah. Yeah, man. All,
0: Maybe like to right finish. It. Um, to... Yeah, mate. Cool, man. To finish off with, man, we've um, we've seen you on some other athletic journeys in uh the ninja warrior we're going to see you on tv again very soon in the upcoming series tell us a, a little bit about how that came about and maybe the the challenge of stepping outside your comfort zone and putting yourself in front of a tv audience you know like in something that you're not you know you, you haven't been you know probably playing footy for 20 years then straight into something alternate like um that's yep. that's pretty uh pretty daunting and. Um, you know, very respect that you, you've taken the plunge to really challenge yourself beyond where you've been before, post-footy. Um, yep. So talk to us a bit about that to, to finish us off. Yeah,
1: Ninja Warrior, it's a bit of a...
0: It's, weird. Like it's
1: funny, like a, a lot of people come up to me in the street and say, oh, mate, I've followed your footy career and stuff and enjoy that. But it just exposed me, I guess, to a different array of sort of society. It's a, it's a really, really watch and love show by a lot of people and it's on TV you don't really see but footy is like, on TV a, bit of other, a couple of other sports but there's nothing really encouraging people to get out of their, their lounges and their lounge rooms and get up and be active so it's a, it's cool which ties in for me I'm a super active person um, how it came about um, Paul Gallen and I Paul Gallen entered in season I think season 2 of Ninja Warrior. Bowie Ryan did season 1 so they always had a couple of footy players in there uh season three they asked gal to go again gal said no gal and i both have the same manager dave reyland and dave said to me no. i just retired in the end of 2018 so i ninja why would you be keen and ding all the lights in my head go off mate you said to yourself when you were six watching balkan on gladiators that you would take that opportunity head on if it ever came up to you so i said mate where do i have to be and when i'm 100 percent down to jump on ninja warrior in terms of skill set yes i probably don't have the skill set but i spent so much time on trampolines as a kid every set of monkey bars i ever went on i was in the show gladiator so I, somewhere along the way i've done the reps so i knew it was a, like a, a slight chance um i, I actually think i've I performed much better than I sort of anticipated I would when I went on there, in season one. In season two, I can't. Oh, my season two, which is season four, I'm still not allowed to say anything yet because you have to watch the show to find out, which is this this Sunday. So, it should be a fun three weeks. Very cool um, season this season. So just jump aboard and have a watch. Um, Yeah, mates. For me, I had to change my training up eh, to, to go in. I had about six weeks' notice. Three of those weeks, I sort of was in sort of um, in limbo. Like I didn't know if I was on. I didn't know that I wasn't on. So I said, oh, I'll do a little bit of training. With three weeks out from the show, they said, um, yeah, all right, we're going we're gonna to take you. So I was like, all right, shit, I have not done anywhere near enough work here. So I just pumped through whatever I thought now, which is the complete wrong thing to do. Um, was the way to train, was the way that I trained. Yeah. It, it panned out not, not being super great prep, but look, the experience was, I wouldn't change. It was, it was outstanding. I probably would have not gone in the water, but, um, yeah, if I had to have more at it again. Um, yeah, but no, it's, it's great, mate. And yeah, it'll be on TV this Sunday. So tune in if you're uh, keen to see a few big humans flying through the air.
0: <laughs> Man, um, we could, we could chat for ages, man. You've got an epic, epic story and um, you're a leader in the community. Uh, people are following what you do. Um, you're a great example for the kids uh, in your own house and those that you're coaching as well, man. So uh, credit to you and thanks for sharing your journey with Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, mate. Thanks so much for having me.